Craft Beer Radio, episode 280 on March 8th, 2014. And welcome to Craft Beer Radio, where Jeff, you were right on time. Nice. Thank you. Hey, I've been doing this 280 times. We'll only be doing the uh, the music intros a little bit lo- shorter than that, but... The Imperial March for our Imperial Stout Show. Uh, well, I'm Greg Weiss. Jeff Bear. And we are here to couple do... couple self-congratulatory jerks here, just saying how great our timing is. <laughs> I know. It's... Uh, it's, it's what we do. All right. So All we right. played the Imperial March, which is a fantastic, iconic piece of symphonic work by John Williams for Star Wars. There's our there's, critical point. There's our, um, yeah, so now it's fair use. And um, we're doing Imperial Stouts tonight. So I figured let's use the Imperial March. Uh, what do you want to go with first? I let's haven't had the, the, uh, the Heavy Seas. I want to have the Heavy Seas. The reason why I would not do that is because it would kind of just oh, pull it's out bourbon the barrels. Oh, it's also bourbon barrels. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's do the East End first. Yeah, all right. Okay, so this is the East End Toaster, the, their ninth anniversary, which is the East End Toaster for fourth anniversary. Yep. So I don't have much information on Toaster. Uh, frankly, their website doesn't really give much in, information about it. Too bad. we got to talk to Scott about that. <laughs> that jackass who did the website, which was me. <laughs> you did this website? Yeah, yeah. I helped them redesign. It's on Squarespace. I helped them redesign yeah. that. And uh, uh, but there's not much information about toaster, so I don't know. But um, it looks dark. It smells dark. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what I remember from toaster. Um, the first time they did it, the fourth anniversary. It was his first imperial stout. I don't think he's done many, mm-hmm. if any, between then and now. Um, and. Uh, well, I'll wait for this to warm up because this, you know, again, this one also came just out of the fridge. The yeah. other ones are not just out of the fridge, but. Uh, well, no, they. Okay. Yeah, two this of them one, are, yeah. and two okay. of them are. This okay, so the Imperial Stout is a, is an ancient, uh, well, ancient. I mean, <laughs> relatively <laughs> historic. It, it's a historic style. Uh, you know, we've talked about it before. We'll just repeat the the basics of it. The original Imperial Stouts were Russian Imperial Stouts made. By I think English brewers that right. were uh, they, they wanted their beer to last long enough to get to the Russian court. Well, there's so a couple made... things. Yeah, I mean, for some reason, I don't remember the details, but the Russian court uh, found a taste for stouts. Yeah. Um, English brewers were still the beer makers of you know the era, and uh, the story I heard, and this is one of those ones that might be a bit apocryphal, but it, it makes sense. You want it to be true. And that is that, you know, the trip across the Baltic Sea in the wintertime, you know, could freeze beer, break casks, things like that. So they had to make it a stronger stout that was more resistant to freezing. Yeah. So it wouldn't, you know, expand and break the barrels and things like that. So it's a strong stout. Um, Russians are known for their love of alcohol, too. So there's there's that going on. Right. Um Typically, there's, um, oh, no, I was going to say there's two kinds of, you know, different kinds of Russian Imperial Stouts, you know, where the Americans typically over hop it. And, well, that's true. There there are some American, like, Victory Storm King is a, is a good Imperial Stout. But generally, for my taste, it's a little too hoppy, especially when yeah. it's fresh. Yeah. But it's not really, I've never seen it really called, like, American West Coast barley wine or American barley wine, you know, can be... Like, well, I think like, there's a kind difference of has... between a. Uh, I mean, I, I, if you're getting technical, I mean, I, you may say there's a difference between a, a real Russian imperial stout and a, just a plain old imperial stout by saying the Russian one tends to be more malty and less hoppy. You could. I, I, I don't. See, yeah, I never really have. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? The term Russian. To me, is more of a marketing term. It really doesn't imply anything right. in what you get out of the beer. It's just whether you want to call it an imperial stout or if you want to send right. a it's little not more. Like a Baltic porter versus a yeah. To me, the Russian doesn't really convey anything different other than the choice of name, right? Um, but back to my original point, like you know, there's there's um, American barley wines. Like Bigfoot's the the iconic example, right? And it's pretty hoppy when it's fresh. And then there's English barley wines. And there's American brewers who make English barley wines that aren't very hoppy. And I was going to say, you know, there's two kinds of imperial stouts. 
based on that same theory, but there's really not two different terms. There are hoppy imperial stouts. Like, uh, remember we had the old Rasputin recently? Yes. Which was very hoppy, yes. right? And then ones that aren't. But it's there's it's not really... It's kind of more of a gradient spectrum, right? There, it's, yeah, there's, there's... There's less of a, of a I don't divide. Hear people, I don't hear people talking about two different dichotomy. Yeah. styles of imperial stout. I do hear people talking about hoppy and not hoppy ones, but they've never really called it different styles. I agree with you. I, I definitely agree with you. The imperial stout is kind of... I, I think it's a beautiful thing. And then, I, and, you know, I and then, love these beers. And then cloud it a little bit more. There is also a style that Beer Advocate uses called like the American Double Stout. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I, I want to get into this beer, so I don't want to, you know, tease for too long here. But I think, you know, while we're tasting this beer, I want to try to talk about Imperial versus American Double and see if I can... And I don't even know I have the answer right now. I kind of got to think about it here and come up, try to talk about it. I that. mean, the only thing that, that comes to mind... And it's it's probably wrong, but the thing that comes to mind is that maybe a double stout tends to be a little sweeter. I was thinking there'd probably be more roastiness. Oh, you know, roasty malt character in American double stout, where an imperial stout. And let let's taste some of this. Yeah, and let's see where our temperatures are. We could pull out the IR uh, temperature sensor here. The IR temperature sensor that we use, we haven't talked about this in a while. It's a, it's newbie. It's pretty cheap on Amazon, and we have it linked on our Amazon store if you're looking for this. Um, it's like 20 bucks for this thing, which is pretty good. So the beer right now, mine's at 64 degrees, so that should be warm enough. We yeah. put enough heat into this beer by cupping our hams around the glasses while we were yeah, I'm at 64 pontificating. Too. So, again, I mean, these are beers that are going to be complex in flavor, and you really do want these to be warmer than... Than fifty, I, I would say like you know the recommendation is like fifty four. I say sixty at yeah. least. I mean that's what I was going to say. You said fifty four. I was going to say fifty two for the recommended serving temp for imperial stouts. But we like things that are big and flavorful like this, like you know, good ten degrees warmer than that. Yeah, it's still going to be plenty cold because your body is at around ninety eight or so. So going to feel cold enough, but it, you're going to get a lot more flavor out of it when it's warmer. Yeah, one of the beers uh, we're doing later, we just pulled right out the cellar at 60. Well, the cellar's at 60 degrees right now. I like this time of year yeah. for cellaring. Uh, all right, let's get into this beer. Rome on this one. First sniff, big roast. You know, we were talking about the American double stout, you know, how roasty it is. You know, that's kind of what I smelled with the first sip. Second sniff. There's a sweetness there. A little sweetness. Yeah, it's it's... You know what popped into my mind? It was oh, I that's maybe that's what it is. A little bubble gum on there. Do you smell well, bubble gum, but you know what popped in my mind was like Jelly Belly jelly beans. And then I'm like, when I was like figuring out which one, it was actually the uh, popcorn one. So I wonder if there's a bit of diacetyl on this beer. There is something in in the aroma that does smell a little a little buttery. But hmm. yeah, for some reason, like like I, it was funny. I smell it, and like my head's like jelly beans. I'm like, which jelly bean? It's like searching, searching, searching. Mm-hmm. And the ones that visualized were the white ones with the yellow spots, the popcorn ones. And that's how I arrived at popcorn by visually identifying the jelly yeah. bean my brain was picturing. Well, it's it's <laughs> like me when I go through you know the aisle and the, the, the uh, grocery aisle in my head when trying right. to pick out a flavor. It's the same sort of thing. No, it, it, the beer does not smell like a bag of popcorn. No, it's not. Doesn't yeah. smell super buttery. Uh, it's just. It's. I think it's more interesting how I came yeah. to it. Those than, of you who are fans who have listened to us know that we we tend to pick out these little things and we pull them out, but they're not necessarily you know big components. We just we like to get into the sniff. I just took smelled really um, smoky. Uh, just uh, for some reason, this last sniff I took, it almost tasted, it smelled like a, a smoke malt or almost like There's a, a smoke slight or amount of sort of acrid aroma there, right? And I don't mean acrid in a bad way, but sort of there, there's a mm-hmm. there's I, a kind know, of char. I know in the um, smokestack porter from East End, he uses a very very small amount of peat smoke malt. Yeah, and um, for some brewers, that's blasphemy. Scott uses it. I wonder if he puts like a handful of peat smoke in, in the Imperial Well, he style. says it's an Imperial version of the Black Strap, 
with more molasses and more brown sugar. Okay. But that was for the fourth anniversary. So, I don't know. All right, time to get on to the flavor. Beer is um, very dark, completely black. The head is a dark brown. At this point, it's a, just a thin wisp, some little swirls in it. It is pretty viscous. As you turn the glass, it kind of coats the glass with a, a fair amount of um, of gooeyness. <laughs> high alcohol beers tend to do that. They're, they they have a higher viscosity. I mean, the alcohol is definitely apparent in the in the flavor. There is a, a, a great deal of roast going on in the flavor. Mm-hmm. Mm, there is. I'm not really tasting diacetyl right now. It does taste like roasty, slightly burnt malt. Yeah, it it's very roasty. Maybe that smoke comment comes into play again. It's a uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty stringent, or maybe bitter. Stringent is a better word on the tongue, yeah. right? It, it makes you kind of puckery. It's uh. It tastes kind of like if if you if you make some some toast and you you overcook it you 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 get a big char on mm-hmm. it you get a lot of that flavor coming through. It doesn't. It's it's not though. It's not soot though. It's just it's an over. It's an over caramelization. You know, it's it, it's it's a little, a little burnt. But that that kind of works for the style. Mm-hmm. It it does help to to dial back what I'm sure is a heck of a lot of sweetness in here because it really does it it really does kind of turn down mm-hmm. the the sweetness factor. But I just taste a lot of that on the tongue. There's a lot of that. Actually, I'm like three sips in now. I'm getting less of the the burnt acrid. You know, really roasty malt. It's getting a little more boozy to me, too. The alcohol is readily apparent in this beer. Did we see what the ABV was on this? No idea. I'm going to guess probably around nine at least. Yeah, I wouldn't think it's a super big one. Now, I'd be shocked if it was over 13. Uh, I would say it's probably in the high eights to mid nines, somewhere in there. I uh, Probably not 10. See if I can find any more information about it. Well, no, it's just going to be on the beers page there. That little, that brief little paragraph that you were looking at, that's going to be the only thing on the website. But there may be some, maybe Beer Advocate has something on it. I don't know. Call Scott right now if you want. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not really getting a lot of fruity flavors or anything going on here. Just... It it's malt and it's sweet and it's a little burnt and the little alcohol. But the alcohol is not it's not burny. It's just it's yeah. just kind of there. It's it's it seems so after a few sips the I do want to step back from that really rich roast burnt malt flavor. It it's not bugging me as much anymore, but the one thing I am getting is the the booziness, the uh the alcoholicness of this is a little little rough around the edges you know i think this beer could use a little more conditioning uh, a little more age might yeah, mellow it out a little yeah. bit the the fourth anniversary was 11 so this oh, is probably okay. around the same okay good there you go good well that's what beer advocate reports mm-hmm. okay so the guess of the fourth anniversary was 11 <laughs> percent um i had some of the original toaster i sell it for quite a while that beer um you know, it was well bottled, it aged well, it didn't oxidize, and uh, it was pretty good after a few years. Um, I could see this one, you know, mellowing with a little bit of age as well. Yeah, it doesn't taste particularly hoppy, although you can you can tell there's some hops in there. The, that burnt quality though is just it, it's sticking through and, and it's really it's it's deflecting my mm-hmm. attempts to try to get in there and find other flavors yeah I get you on that um like I'm I'm thinking right now about you know American Double versus Imperial Stout and you know just from 
intuition where would this one fall and at the fr- at the first couple sips where all I was tasting was the roast right because my palate wasn't acclimated to imperial stouts yet I would have said you know American double stout now with the booziness I'm getting and I'm getting a little more of um, you know some of those um, pruny flavors uh, some of the soy type soy sauce type flavors right mm-hmm. you know I'm kind of thinking it's more imperial stout now I think it's on that side of the fence and those are kind of the reasons why if it's it's a sweet malty roasty beer that's big in alcohol I'll call it an American double stout but if it carries more prune and soy sauce type flavors yeah. I'll probably call it imperial stout yeah I like soy sauce that that's a good call I, keep, I always forget to to think of that uh, but you know if you take the salt out of soy sauce, which is mm-hmm. hard to do because that is kind of <laughs> the foundation of soy sauce, there <laughs> there is um, there's there is that the deep umami of the soy sauce mm-hmm. that's definitely coming through here. It's a very chewy beer, right? It has a lot of is not necessarily viscosity, but just feels. It, feels heavy on your tongue I gotcha yeah so after the first I mean for me for mostly after the first two sips once I got a little acclimated uh, please don't hang on to that burnt quite so much it, it's there it's a little it's a little aggressive up front you know you don't get that in a lot of imperial stouts but it does melt I mean you get a little custom to it and it's 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 a decent drinker throughout the beer yeah I'm a little worried that starting with that might burn out some of my senses a little bit. It's not like it's well, not like hot, but there's it's it's well, this, it's laying there and it's not that's why going away. that's why we're the pros and it's hard work drinking beer and talking about it. Boy, we <laughs> there that's the second conceited statement of the show. Let's see if we can do a couple more. Okay, so this is the Brooklyn. Black Chocolate Stout. Our original plan for the show was to do a vertical of Black Chocolate Stouts. I thought I had four years, but I had three and a double. Uh, So we're going to instead do just one and, you know, save the other ones for later. This is the 2012 version. They say 11 trouble, but I mean, you know, it's 2012. 2012, January. It's the winter of that period. All right, so, so uh, Brooklyn Black Chocolate Stout, they've been making this thing full of freaking ever since um, early 90s, I yeah. think, is probably when it started. It says on label 10% alcohol by volume, 12 fluid ounces. So, malted with two-row pale, caramel malt, malted wheat, and a blend of American roasted malt and barleys that they don't tell us about. It contains wheat, they say, as an addition, so there you go. Hot with Willamette and American Fuggle, 10.0% alcohol by volumes, 51 IBUs, 21.7 degrees Play-Doh, 320 calories. And it contains no chocolate. Uh, most yeah. of you probably know this, but if you don't, Black Chocolate Stout is a historic name. It's, it means Imperial Stout. Um, I don't know much beyond that, right? But that's what I remember reading right um but let's presume that maybe before imperial stout was the official moniker of these things the brewers were calling these black chocolates because they were so roasty right. and, and over you know oversaturated in the the roast and whatnot got the name black chocolate does not mean there's chocolate in here it's not like rogue chocolate stout right. or one of those beers but I expect a lot of people don't know that. I expect that a lot of people see that and they think, oh, chocolate beer. And they probably taste it and don't recognize My, that uh, it's not chocolate. wife met me at, for dinner at Mad Max sometime recently. I'm not, it wasn't the last time we were out, but a couple times ago. You know, she knows when I'm leaving work, takes the kids there. She usually gets there before me, orders a beer, and she ordered the black chocolate stout. I'm like, you know, there's not chocolate in that, right? <laughs> I think she actually did, but it, it's pretty unusual for her to order an Imperial Stout. So I think maybe, even if she knew there wasn't chocolate in it, the name could have influenced the purchase. 
there's no doubt that these kind of things psychologically affect you in some way. Right. Because she's, I mean, she likes doubts, you know, so it, it's still in her ballpark, right? But it's not down her alley. And, um, but she, she enjoyed it, so. Definitely sweeter oh. with more fruity flavors, fruit, so don't, fruity aromas. I, I just want to comment again. This is a 2012, right? This is yes. two years old. So it has some age on it. It has some time to mellow. And the aroma, my goodness, it smells good. It, smells, it definitely has some mellow. There's not sharp edges. It's not hot and boozy. It's a toffee with a little... Just a bit of sort of prettiness. And I think there's there's a touch of something that's approaching peach, but not quite there. That that's good. I'm gonna throw in some maple, but maybe like grade A light maple or something like that. Something where it has kind of the maple essence, but isn't yeah. super mapley. Um, it has a wonderful, wonderful, rich. Uh, can I say integrated? It has a really well integrated aroma. It just it's a delight to smell. Doesn't smell particularly boozy. It doesn't smell boozy so much, but it does smell. What's the word I want to use? Well, it smells licorish, or it smells um, brandyish. I yeah, don't know what yeah, word I, I want to that, use. That's kind of close. Yeah, it, it it doesn't smell hot. It doesn't smell like oh, I can distinctly, I can distinctly pick out the alcohol, but yeah. it does smell like sort of a cognac-y, like there, like mm-hmm. there's. There's, I think, integration again with the, <laughs> yeah. with the alcohol, so that it, it's reminiscent of other of s- sort of these more caramelized spirits, mm-hmm. right? It smells really good. This is one I can sit with girl. I mean, this is one you should if you had the luxury of not doing a podcast where people are listening and you have to yeah. get through it quickly. Um, I would take a long, long time to drink my six ounces here. Actually, less than six ounces. No, this is probably three or four ounces. Yeah, there's... Uh, you probably have a third of the bottle, so you yeah. probably have four ounces. There's four ounces in the bottle still. We'll drink that in the post-show. Mm, so you mentioned just- they add wheat. Um... To me, you know, I'm smelling just a touch of oats, actually, instead of wheat. But, you know, they're, it's giving some a little more, um, what's the word? I'll use, I'm going to use herbal, but with a asterisk, right? A little more grassiness or something like that, right? Where it's um, grassy. I, I, I want to use herbal, but herbal is not the right word because it carries such other connotations uh maybe just agricultural there's a just a little bit of agricultural in there where it's kind of reminds yours me does of smell a little bit different than mine okay yours is more perfumey yeah yours almost has a bit of lavender or something going on there, there's something that's you know why i pulled out that little peach thing there there's something going on do you want to blend or do you want to keep them separate? Um, let, let's keep them separate right okay. now and, and do some tasting first, and then maybe we'll blend. Okay, yeah. So his has this perfumey thing going on to it, a little more floral lavender. Same bottle, remember. And uh, mine was the top, I think, and yours was the bottom, if I remember right. One or the other. Not like anyone's going to care. Yeah. No one's going to like, I'm going to save the top for myself and give my friends the bottom. <laughs> Are you a top? <laughs> uh, on topic on topic on topic <laughs> another thing mine has that Greg doesn't have it, it's cool contrasting Greg's glass versus my glass because something I was trying to figure out mine almost has more of a, a barrel flavor to it a little more oakiness to it the, not an oak aged beer but mine has a bit more oakiness I, and I thought that earlier but I was so self conscious to say oak aged when it wasn't that I wasn't sure what to say but now that I've compared the two I'm gonna get... There's a lot more raisin in the flavor that I would expect, but there's also a, a good bit of vanilla, a, a little bit of a bourbon character, and yeah, it, it's 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 almost 
it would almost be Porter-esque if it wasn't as smooth as it was. There's something to me that... Uh, See, this is funny because while mine smelled better to me, what you're saying tastes better than what I'm tasting. Mine tastes a little thin in the body and a bit cidery. Um, All right, let's switch. Yeah, Not let's blend. T- let's switch and see what we can you know get. Mm-hmm. Yours is so much fuller body. You must have more yeast or something in the bottom. You must have the bottom of the bottle, and yours is a little more yeasty. Let's blend. Yeah, let's blend. Mine is mine is definitely the, much the, better. the better of the two. Much better than mine. Yeah. So, again, this is not a problem that you're likely to have because you're just going to pour a, a nice glass for yourself. But if you're sharing it with a friend, right, yeah. this is something. We get beer stratification so much on the show that it is really a phenomenon. And... Um, it's something that you guys should all consider, I think. I mean, especially if you're sharing a bottle with a friend. Yeah. Um, it's not just once in a while. It's almost every show we notice one of the beers. So, like, 25% of beers yeah. has bottle stratification. And I think that the one reason that we notice it, I don't want to toot our horn too much, is that we've... We, we're... We're kind of in, number three. We're kind of in sync with each other in, in terms of, of how we smell and taste. So when we are wildly divergent. Right. Like, what's wrong? Yeah. We're like, hmm, there, there must be something going on there that, that's not quite right. Yeah, it's like almost 25% of beers have bottle, bottle stratification. Yeah, I wonder, you know, that should be something. Again, it's not usually a problem because people just will tend to drink one, you know, bottle just themselves. So you're not going to necessarily notice it. But if you are splitting it, it's something to think about. Definitely something to think about. All right, so we got a blended beer. The uh, we got the top eight ounces out of the bottle, thoroughly blended. Maybe the last four ounces is the best part. (laughs) Don't make me laugh. <laughs> Greg's trying to really let the flavors sink into his palate. Mm. Okay, that it's sort of a combination of the two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, the aroma. I haven't tasted yeah. the blend, but I'm smelling the blend right now, and it's it's a bit of the so the the main two um, attributes, other than all the general imperial stout type stuff. Right, yours was perfumey, mine was barrelly. You know, now that I'm smelling this blend, it's a perfumey barrel. You know, it's it's kind yeah. of it's just it's exactly what you'd expect mixing the two together. It's a little thinner, the combination than it was. You know, just alone without it, it's got a slightly more bourbony character to it. The vanilla has actually though dropped a bit, and. So has some of the free character, and definitely the raisin is is mm-hmm. really muted. Yeah, actually, it's funny. It almost tastes There's a little hickory in there. Yeah, to get the hickory, but also the 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 flavor saturation is like dialed back. Yeah. It's almost like it's almost like I don't know. It's funny when I drank yours. The, 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 the bottom part, you know, where it tasted more yeasty, it tasted better. But now that it's blended, it just tastes like the yeast is washing out the flavor. You know, it tastes like, you know, because we've had that before, right? Mm. Where a yeasty beer washes out the flavor. That's kind of what it tastes like. Yeah, it, it's, mm, I, I don't quite know what to say here because the the best beer was in my glass. Right. And when we combined it, it's not quite as good but it's better than my glass but it's better than what your glass was yeah so yeah i don't know which is weird because the reason i think this beer is not as good is because of the gunk that was in your glass you know so it's like i'm confused that that theory may need modification Mm -hmm. all right um i think we're still going to save the last four ounces of that for something later and go on to the next beer hmm before we do that, before we do that, we should probably warn you that here comes the commercial. So if you're ready to skip, if you heard it before, skip now. Let's try uh, try like three 15 second skips. See how that works. But it's, before you do that, craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. There you go. All right. So yeah, 
you want to support us because that's a little too hot let's turn that down a little bit there we go (laughs) you know uh it's fun to support us it it, it's it's the most fun you can have on the internet we've been doing this show for for freaking ever i you know i've been doing if you listen to the pre-show i've been doing a catalog and stuff 2005 we started in june 2005 it's a long time yeah. Um, so before you know the same old spiel you've heard last time because you know you're a rabid fan, you never miss an episode of CBR. Uh, CraftBeerRadio.com/slash/Amazon is where you do your Amazon shopping. It costs you nothing more. We get a kickback from Amazon, so you're giving a little bit of your money to us instead of Jeff Bezos. And you know you love shopping on Amazon, and I do. Why not? Why not? I mean, there's you know those. Just don't listen to those stories about the. What's up with us music today? It's oh, all goofball. It's, yeah. um, anyway, craftbeer.com slash Amazon slash Amazon slash Amazon. And don't it's go there. That's going to be a 404 right yeah. there. There's there's no website there. Um, if you're looking for website hosting, we have bluehost.com. A link on our website. You'll get a, uh, a beautiful website hosted, and we will get a decent uh, kickback on that one. And if you just got too much money, Cold hard cash, you just gotta get rid of. There's a link on our um, website for PayPal, and you can give us a one-time donation of anything you want. You can subscribe for as little as twelve dollars a year. That's just a buck a month. But we take it out once a year at twelve bucks, mm-hmm. and uh, it would be hugely appreciated. And you, if you want to do a monthly instead of a yearly, it, we have to do two months because of the PayPal fee structure. Um, if we did a dollar a month. PayPal would make more money than us. Yeah. Okay. All right. Done. <laughs> so maybe you needed three of those 15-second skips. Maybe three and a half of them. All right. Sorry about the uh, the extra. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> What's next? We're what, freaking Imperial next? Stouts. What do they want from us? It's hard work. <laughs> those people. How dare they? <laughs> I think we have to do this one first because the other one's just a monster. Yeah. Okay. So... Siren Noir from Heavy Seas. This is part of their Uncharted Waters series. They called it an Imperial Chocolate Stout on their website. 9.5% alkali volume, 18.5 IBUs. It uses Brewer's Gold Hops, which I'm unfamiliar with. I've heard of them, but I don't know their characteristics and, at all. Uh, you know, it's not like, you know, we can we can pick out Cascade, Centennial, and Simcoe, but Brewer's Gold, I don't know what they're like. Uh, Two-row, crystal, chocolate, and roasted barley are in the malts. So there you go. I bet you Google knows what Brewer's Gold tastes like. Google knows a lot of things. Brewer's Gold... I gotta make the text a little bit bigger. Uh, A sibling, (laughs) and similar to... Okay, here. Here's here's a very helpful statement. A sibi- sibling and similar to bullion. Do you know what bullion hops taste like? No. Neither do I. Um, only maturing earlier and more disease resistance. English wild yeah. Canadian cross. Pungent English character. Uh, used mainly for bittering stouts and dark ales. Substitutes are bullion, northern brewer, galena, and... Give that a smell. Barring cross. And and see if this hits you. No, don't say anything yet. Give me give me a few minutes. Here. Well I, I Okay. Shush. Shush. Shh. Shh. Okay. Now you can talk. Swiss cheese. <laughs> not quite so nutty. No no maybe a touch, but not quite nutty. That was the first thing I smelled was something cheesy. And I think it's kind of Swiss, but as you smell more... I'm almost getting uh, macadamia nut. Yeah, I guess I can see that. I guess that's not that's not too far off the, the reservation. If I had to throw something crazy out there, I'd give you go macadamia nut. There's something cheesy going on. There's something that is like a rind... So, do we have any details on chocolate? How the chocolate? What kind of chocolate? Where chocolate? Who chocolate? Uh, it's aged for five weeks in bourbon barrels with vanilla beans added. 
Or is it just chocolate-like? It just says a mix of dark malts. This is this is their marking speak. A mix of dark malts gives the beer a well-rounded body that is decidedly chocolatey, but without being extraordinarily sweet. Again, okay, so it's speak. like black chocolate stout, I guess? That, that seems to be okay. the, uh, the implication. Okay. No, wait. It, no, it says right on the label, Imperial Stout Proved with Chocolate. Oh. In Asian bourbon barrels, so there's. Oh, ch- I, I'm sorry, I did. I missed that. There's almost three pounds of Belgian coconut okay. barrel. <laughs> okay, there you go. Okay, I'm just curious about the chocolate because I, I tend to skip past the stuff you know that that's not in just the details because it tends to be marketing speak. But sometimes I really should read a little bit closer. You were talking early on about breweries. You know, we've drank you know over the years doing your database and ones that have closed and. Heavy or Heavy Seas is a brewery. Well, then Clipper City, Clipper City, right? Was yeah. one we probably drank in like show number three. It was very early, and, very and early. I did a search for it, and yeah, it was I realized. Oh yeah, that that's Heavy Seas now. Yep. And uh, yeah, so those guys are in Baltimore area, and uh, they've been around for quite a while. This is the first time I've seen Siren Noir. I haven't had many. Of the heavy seas beers in the last couple of years, you know. So this is almost a reintroduction for me. Uh, it's been quite a while. I probably haven't paid much attention to them since they dropped the Clipper City name and have become, you know, solely heavy seas. Yeah. So I'm very interested. This is, they have a ch- series apparently called Uncharted Waters, which is probably the limited release, seasonal type things. And on the label right there, it has 2014. Um, so there's a good vintage on the bottle as well. Unlike the next beer, which needs a vintage and does not have it. Does not have it. It's It's got a green cap. That's all we know. Okay, so I haven't tasted this beer yet. The smell on this one. So, uh, again, not as black as some of the other beers, but it's still very black. The head is a... Uh, Maybe Parmesan? There's some kind of rindy tan. cheese there. And it, it's still... It's sticking with it. I thought that... Yeah, I, I might, think you're. I think you're just wanting away. to make the cheese fit too much. I'm not. I'm not that far. I, maybe I smell a little more Swiss early on, but I, it's for me. I'm not getting it anymore. Right. Smells pretty good though. I'm, Bit of back of macadamia nut. Um, you know that's that's from the cocoa almost certainly. It doesn't smell boozy. It doesn't smell very barrelly, which is kind of. Interesting. I would have expected a little more barrel aroma on it. You know, nutty and cheesy are kind of similar because they they both. Well, especially Swiss cheese. Especially Swiss cheese, right? Swiss cheese is a nutty cheese. Yeah. Did you see that? um, Mm. I saw. I saw a tweet uh, just the other day. It was from uh, NPR. uh, Well, not NPR, but uh, On Point show. They did a little show on. uh, maple syrup and the canadian maple syrup guild has a maple syrup flavor wheel did you see that email i sent you yeah i i saw the email okay. i didn't get a chance to really delve okay. into it but yeah i i uh, so it's kind of a new flavor wheel to look at now some of the flavors are similar but it, it also would give us a little new in, in the little fraction of the beer flavor wheel that is mapley you know this gives us like a a whole different order of magnitude of descriptors that play in the maple. So it was pretty cool. There's a maple products flavor wheel that uh, you should check out. I just had one sip of this, but my first thought was, wow, that is a fantastic integration of chocolate. One of the better ones I've had in beer in a long time. I need to sip more to get to see whether that's really the case. But that first sip was pretty impressive. So yeah, the first sip... It is well integrated. It doesn't have any rough edges. It kind of reminds me of chocolate milk um, mm-hmm. or, you know, like a Nestle Quick in milk. You know, it kind of has that kind of character. It's darker than that. It's a little more bitter. It doesn't have... Think, think yes, yes, I definitely think that. Okay, maybe slightly, but it has a lot of that chocolate in milk type flavor. Yeah, it has, right? that, has that sort of homogenous note that... Uh-huh. I mean, you know, chocolate milk is... Well, the milk fat. Like, you yeah, know, you can yeah. kind of taste the, the milk fat, you know. Chocolate milk is 
is one of those perfected drinks, right? It's been it's been around for a while, and really is the reason why it's so popular is because it's so good. It's it's so fulfilling, and and it really does feel good. So, On second sip, take another sip. Second sip. So first sip was the cocoa, the chocolate milk type here. Second sip, you know what stole the stage for me is the bourbon. I really got a good barrel flavor. Maybe not bourbon, but oak. I got this good barrel flavor of the second sip, and mm-hmm. it, it's getting deeper. You know, the story. Yeah, I was thinking vanilla, but yeah, but it, it does kind of the, twist into the story. The yeah, got the deeper barrel. in the second sip, right? Mm-hmm. The story's progressing. This is this is intriguing. This but is then at the end, the chocolate comes back, right? But you know, as we're drinking this, it's it's opening up. It's opening up a new chapter. It's like, hey, I got more to tell you. Yeah, Take another sip. So this is very fascinating. And yeah, the integrations is really smooth, and it uh, doesn't ha- it doesn't have a harsh edge. Nine point five, it does not feel that high in alcohol. It really doesn't. I mean, it it, it has a it has a mouth feel that that you know gives you a, a gives you an idea that it's pretty high in alcohol, but it doesn't taste and in any way hot. Yeah, the cocoa I would say is um, kind of accented with maybe uh, confectioner's sugar, maybe a touch of marshmallow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, marshmallow is a good is a good one. A, a seared marshmallow, you know, something that has a little bit of you know char and a little bit of character to it. Not so much again, not so much toffee as chocolate and vanilla and that sort of oaky flavor coming through, but. I'm I'm really impressed by the way that chocolate is we've used integrated so many times in in this show. We did, but that's okay. You know, instead of palate drift, it's adjective drift. Mm. Good thinking. Mm. Pretty good. Pretty 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 good. There is Okay, there's an essence of something that I'm picking up, but I think it's just because I have an association of this. I don't think it's actually there, but there is a slight essence of raspberry that I'm picking up. And the only reason why I say that is because I think, you know, if you've had chocolate-covered raspberries... What part of the raspberry? Can you give me a little bit more? What part of the raspberry? Most of the tart part. Tart part, Okay. Uh, I mean, because there's really three parts, right? There's, there's the there's sweet, sweet. Well, there's the 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 fruit, right? The sweet yeah. tart. There is yeasty kind of the of. the pithy part, you yeah. know, in the center, and then the yeasty part, right? So I, I was wondering, I just wanted you to tell me yeah. what you were tasting there, because I actually I would have gone maybe a little more yeasty raspberry. Maybe, but there's a little bit of tartness there now. Uh, I noticed on this thing that they they say the brewers gold hops contribute. An earthy spiciness with notes of black currant. So this could be coming from the hops. Black currant hops. That's an interesting. I don't know about that. Yeah, th- that's... but now they did say on the homebrew. Uh, you know what, what's that was on? I was on uh, homebrewstuff.com where they I read the description earlier, and you know they mentioned that this is a, a popular, um, mainly for bittering. In stouts and dark ales, right? So, why not? Wouldn't there be a hop complementary to roast? Yeah. You know, things like that. I, it certainly. I mean, to get into into sort of weirder areas, there are. We've talked about how hops and there's an other there's a sim, there's a similar plant to hops. There's a cousin to hops. Uh, Going there again? Yes, I have to because there are. I only know this because I listened. I don't have never actually had any of these, but I've, I've I've listened to like Doug Benson talk about these things. There are there are chocolate. There are things that apparently taste like chocolate. There are okay. So if that can happen in that plant, then there hmm. is reason to think that that can happen yeah. in hops. Sure. It's interesting, right? Because, okay, so, yeah, Brewer's Gold, that's what we're talking about, right? Yes. Brewer's Gold in a roasty beer gives a bit of current, right? It 
you would think it probably doesn't give current in an IPA or someone would have done a current IPA, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like, like someone would have accentuated that flavor in a, a straight up hoppy beer, right? Or maybe no one's thought of it. And now that I've mentioned it, you know, seven brewers are working on it right now. I don't know, but. I'm not so reminded of this, but one of my, one of the beers that I, I've always thought that, man, I wish I could have had that again before they stopped making it was Dogfish Head's Au Courant. Oh, Yeah. There's a couple of those ones, Fistina Lenta. Oh, good stuff. Yeah, and I, I, I just remember loving the hell out of that. Yeah, yeah, that and, was a long time ago. Yeah, that was really good. Um, yeah, that one set aside in my memory banks as well as like, yes, Dogfish's Ocarant. I remember, I remember the bottle, twelve ounce bottle, gold cap. Yeah, uh, or you know, their their bronzy golden cap, whatever it was. It's was like we drank it probably the first year of the show. Got it at Three Sons, Dogs and Suds, and uh, man, for a fruit beer, that beer was amazing. That was awesome. That was really one of the first kind of soury beers that we had on the show. But it wasn't really soury. It, it was just sour. tart fruit. Yeah. And, and Belgian yeast, right? I mean, so it wasn't really a sour beer either. Uh, it's funny how clear that stands up in memory. I want to give a shout out uh, before I forget. Uh, Twin Leaf Brewery in Asheville opened today, and that's a friend of the show, uh, Tim Weber, Steph Weber. They uh, quit their day jobs working for the man in over near Philadelphia, moved down to Asheville, opened a brewery, and today was the first day where they Congratulations. were uh, taking business. So, uh, Twin Leaf Brewery, I'm going to try to get down there sometime this summer. And uh, you love your North Carolina been a while since i've been to Asheville. Asheville's a great town so i want to get down there and say hi to those guys mm. i'm digging the hell out of this this is really good so th- there's a lot of dimensions to it without it being without it being super complex but there's still a lot of interesting dimensions to it yeah, that one was quite good. And let's move on to the last beer of the night. Uh, right now we have a Dogfish Head Worldwide Stout. A very dark beer brewed with ridiculous amounts of barley. This is the beer, um, one of the few bottles left over from when we did the whole, um, uh, what was it, the contest for the... What was the contest Second for? or third anniversary... Remember, we, like, if... I remember that I, I was seriously against the idea of sending out beer because it it, it implied that we were endorsing a, a particular brew or another. We were asking for donations, and yeah. we were sending people CDs, right? Uh, yeah. We did that for two, or was it three years? Maybe it was only the second year. And we gave away a whole bunch of of this worldwide stout. Um, so we sent bottles out. We had a drawing. So after everyone donated, was entered in the drawing. And we had books, and we had beer, and we had other things, and we mm-hmm. sent a whole bunch of stuff out. And the logistics of the whole thing, of the mailing, was just, like, ridiculous. Yeah. So I kind of stopped it after that. I just couldn't do it again. Um, but, you know, we pulled a couple bottles back just to um, save. And this is one of them here. So this is probably 20, either 26 or 2007, probably. Yeah, has a green exclamation point cap on it, um, but that's the only real markings. It is after they had Vim and Vigor on the label and had to cross it out. Mm-hmm. I think during those years they had notches at the bottom for like 040506 or something like that, so those aren't there. There's really no discernible um, markings. I got some yeast on the bottle here, growing on the bottle. <laughs> Um, Let's see here. There's something on there. There is. There we go. Bottled on. No. Ten eighteen oh six. Oh six, huh? Oh. Now I see the bright yellow um, <laughs> label. <laughs> I, Jesus. Okay. Ten eighteen oh six. So uh, eight years old. Alcohol by volume in this beer ranges from fifteen to twenty. I don't have an exact number for you. Seventy IBUs. Originally started in 1999. Okay, so beer pours blacky black, no head, um, 
well, little head just around the rim, really. The aroma carries through some of that soy, uh, a touch of like um, really sweet raisin, like plump raisins, uh, maybe some dates. Oh, yeah. There's definitely a good amount of alcohol coming off of this. An 18%. It's kind of hard to hot, to mask that. Well, there is, but it also, it, it's not hot and rough around the jagged, right? It, it's pretty smooth. It's yes, pretty, yeah. pretty integrated. Well, it's had, you know, it's had a eight lot of years to, age, yes. to calm down. Again... We've mentioned it hundreds of times. Jeff has this superpower to be able to hold on to beers <laughs> like this. I would have drank this. <laughs> but hey, it's right not an oxidized away. mess, so no. I win. <laughs> yeah, you, you're you right on the money. I rely on your superpower to, to, to allow us to have I this actually have beers. two bottles of Worldwide Stout that is older than this. It has the, uh, the yellow-green exclamation point cap. And I would have to estimate those at... 2004 I, I don't think I'd go earlier than 2004 and I actually have some um, 120 in there you know and on, on the 120 label it says drink now or sell it for a decade mm-hmm. well they're they're 2004 uh, 120s it's, it's a decade, so, yeah. so guess what we're we drinking here in a little bit <laughs> I've actually got a 10 year old beer in the cellar so uh, that's probably the oldest beer I got the the that's other pretty good because that's you know that's when you started yeah being interested in beer and you kept them around for that long so yeah the uh, the other the other interesting beer I have in there is uh, I don't think this is too much of a rabbit hole because we're talking about cellar and stuff like that but forgive me if it is you might remember us talking about a beer that Unibrew made a long time ago called Coquelichos it's this cherry beer and it's a cherry beer that on the label says you can drink on ice. Or hot, like hot, like hot cider. Hmm. Remember that? I, I I remember. I don't remember ever trying okay. it hot, but but they also say you know the sale of this thing to twenty twenty two. Okay. <laughs> so I got two bottles in there. Maybe it's time to open one of those, right? Because they're like halfway there, <laughs> and and see what it's going. And uh, yeah, so I actually yeah I don't think we did that. I'm not sure. We might have done Coquelichos on the show. I don't. But I don't think we did it hot. I don't remember seeing that in... in Maybe not. I know that I tasted it on ice and hot with Chris from Bocktown a long, long time ago. We bought a, I bought a bottle and uh, did it uh, on the rocks. And we did it like like hot cider type style. And how is it hot? It was pretty... Inter- it was good. It was good. It, I mean, it's a very, it was a very cherry beer. And uh, it's the only beer I've ever had say, you know, drink it like a hot cider. I can't think of, of a lot of carbonated beverages that I've ever had hot. Well, I mean, the carbonation really does come out when you heat yeah. it. But, but I mean, it has so much other stuff going on in it. I'm, I'm just vaguely curious what the temperature is. So the thermometer I found in, in the cellar was about 62 or so yeah. like that. And it's, been, it's a little warmer in here than it is over there. So, yeah, 66 for... Um, this World West Out is probably 17, 18%. Yeah, the, the, I think it's generally around 18%. I think the very first one it was 22. It was 23, a little, actually. Yeah, it was a little overbearing. and they. Well, Sam actually said that himself. Yeah. Um, I went to a... Well, I mean, we're going the way back machine. <laughs> I did a dogfish dinner with Sam way before we started the show and was asking about, you know, this stuff. He says, yeah, we did 21, we did 23. It's too hot. We dialed it back. And 18 to 21 is where they like to keep it. Yeah. But you said 15. So maybe there's some years where it actually came out at 15. I think they had to dump a whole bunch a couple of years ago because it didn't ferment outright or something <laughs> like that. I mean... I guess it's possible. Okay, so I think it's time to sip this. But we talked about the aroma before we went down those rabbit holes, right? 
Mm. A lot of plum. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of sweetness, uh, a, a kind of deep sweetness with a lot of mm, uh, like pomegranate and plum, and really really strong sugary sweetness there. A little rum like. A little bit, really, not that much. It, yeah, it. This is silly how well it hides yeah. the booziness in the flavor. Now, once you swallow the beer, you feel the booziness coming back up your esophagus, right? But in the flavor itself, it is so smooth. Yeah, but really, sugar cane. Sugar cane's good. There's a. There's definitely a. Um, there's definitely this lingering, just pure sweet, you know, right. and that's yeah. kind of where you get sugar cane. I'm thinking of something a little, I, I haven't nailed it down yet. I'm thinking of something a little more manufactured in the flavor. Um, I don't know. It, it almost has, I want to say pixie sticks, but, but I've never had any pixie sticks that's as no. neutral as this, right? No. Everything has too much of that citric acid type flavor. It doesn't have that. Um, sugar cane's really good, actually. Yeah. Now that you think of it, like I, I was thinking of some sugar cane that I've had. You know, about last time we went to the uh, went to the Vietnam spa, right? I had that Trump yeah. sugar cane thing. Yeah. that's the last time I've had it, and that kind of fits actually. It's kind of a little maybe taffy like. Actually, the more I think about sugar cane, really fits. There's soy early in the flavor before mm-hmm. it goes into the plum. It doesn't really have much barley roast flavor, right? I mean, with the age on it and the integrations that it, it, that it has, it goes from a little more soy into plum, the pomegranate that you said, and then it kind of, the the later tastes is where you kind it's of get this. The sweetness really the, comes the sweetness. That, that sugary, sugar cane. That's yum yum. It's very good. That's pretty yum yum. I'm definitely not surprised that it's very good. Uh, it's it's a little on the sweet side. You know, I mean, I think that it's. I think that the 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 alcohol and and you know whatever hops are left over it it is it's it's sweeter. It's right yeah. it's sweeter than than halfway. But it's not cloying. It's it's not that far. No, it's not. I mean, it's not like you you just poured sugar in your mouth. I mean, it, it, it's it. But it, it 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 has mellowed enough that it lacks a little balance. It's a little just it just a tad oversweet. Just a tad on on the finish. It, like you said in the beginning, you get the sort of soy and other stuff. That really tastes great, but then it kind of finishes wet and sweet, and that's where it is just a little off. I might take a different angle, a different lens on that one. I might say that it's pretty cool how it doesn't finish boozy. It's pretty cool oh, how no, it finishes. It's, it's pretty cool, cool how it finishes this way. You know, where it's straight up dessert. You know, at this point, you know, it's not. So that's it. It's, yeah, creme brulee. It, it's well, yeah. It, it's not so much complex. Sit with the snifter by the by a smoky fire. It's more of a put it with your, um, you know, dessert. You know, put it with you know some um, shortbread. Yeah, put it with. I, I wasn't thinking dessert, but man, uh, shortbread. A, a, a cake. Sugar cookies. You know, a, a, a great frosting on a cake. It, it, that kind of sweetness is coming through. Um, uh, no, I, for, I just said it. I, I just want to talk about a little, little bit more. Cotton candy but there. Pair this with something that's just a simple cookie, like a sugar cookie, right? Yeah. I think a sugar cookie goes super well with this. A butterness, a sugar cookie, all the sweetness. Yeah, and yeah. The sugar on the butter on the sugar cookie. Good stuff. Oh yeah, and anything you cut this with something rich, and it would just be mind-blowing i think it would, it would re just be a perfect 
perfect combination with it just needs a little richness mm-hmm. it just needs a little bit of that that butteriness like you said and I'm just really talking about that a- that mm-hmm. that that after flavor because in the beginning it doesn't taste as as sweet as it ends Alrighty, I think it's about time to rank. I'm going to save a little bit of this beer for later, being 18% or whatever it is. Um, okay, so I'm going to have to, you know, put at the end of the pack the East End Toaster. You know, it just didn't have the integration that any of the other beers had tonight. Uh, I had the other toaster. I haven't had enough of the ninth anniversary to know if this is representative or not. Yeah. Uh, the fourth anniversary was very good. This one was a little rough around the edges, fourth place. Um, now it gets really hard, right? Because the dogfish, the uh, heavy seas, and the Brooklyn were all yum, 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 yum. Uh, yikes. I think I'm going to have to put the rope whites down in third place. Okay. I, I think that... Uh, I, while I really enjoyed it, I think I enjoyed the other ones better. How about that? I'm going to put the Heavy Season second place. Um, wonderful integration of chocolate and, and, and barrel and all those flavors. And then the Brooklyn. This is the 2012, the eleven twelve Brooklyn Black Chocolate Stout. Uh, and let it edge out the field. Um, I just thought that the aroma, the flavor, uh, the integration of, of everything was just so well done. It was uh, really the one of the best Brooklyn beers, Brooklyn Block Chocolate Stouts I've had in memory. And um, kind of exactly what I was looking for, a Russian Imperial Stout. Interesting. My... Fourth beer like yours is the East End. I thought it was just a little too roasty, a little bit... Uh, it didn't measure up to the other three that were going on. Th- then my rankings are, are, are pretty much totally different than yours. My third is the Brooklyn. While I thought it was really delicious, there was that weird stratification going on. And then when we mixed it... It lost a little bit of its good character. It lost a oh, I bit forgot of its... all about that part of yeah. it. <laughs> That's probably these strong beer shows. Um, you finish. I will decide whether I okay. want to revise my statements. And and I also yeah. So so that kind of made it three as opposed to two. Uh, and the two for me is the dogfish head. I think that. Uh, it's got a lot of great character, but it ends just a little too sweet for it to be for it to really beat the heavy seas, which I really did love the chocolate integration. I, I think that uh, the heavy seas was was a pretty strongly number one here. I, I think it was definitely the, the the best beer of the night by by a considerable margin, even though uh, you know. They were all good, and the and the top three were very very good. You know what? I I'm gonna have to uh, change my rankings to agree with yours completely, actually, because for some reason I had blocked out the whole stratification problem with the black chocolate stout, um, and I think I was ranking it based on the aroma only of my glass, which I thought was wonderful. Um, I don't know. We're drinking strong beers. We are drinking strong beers. <laughs> but, you know, that's it. I, I remembered the black chocolate stout smelling so good. And maybe it was, maybe it got a bump coming off of the East End, you know, and it just yeah. like, I smelled it. I'm like, that's where I want to go, yeah. right? And then I forgot about all the stratification problems. So I'm going to revise my rankings to match Greg's. Okay. Match they will. Okay, so thank you for listening to... Episode 280 of Craft Beer Radio, where we had our Imperial March. I think it's, that's, I'll name the show Imperial March. How about that? It's quite fitting, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> it's rather fitting. I don't think I ever got to this part. I'm not sure I know this part. 
No, it's it's just you know it's it's very John Williams. Okay. It, it, big big thing in the beginning, a little bit of of uh, playing around, and then a little butterfly back, flying around, and then back to the the theme. See, there's a there there's a reprise of the theme, and it's yeah. Right. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license, except for when there's copyrighted material playing in the background. But and we're commenting on it, so we're doing it's a, kind of fair use. It's fair use. Uh, you can comment on the show by using Twitter. At uh, uh, Craft Beer Radio is the show's Twitter handle. I am at Jeff Bear. Greg is at CBR Greg. And uh, we have email. You can use beer at craftbeerradio.com. We do have email. That, that still comments. exists. It does. Um, and, uh, you know, there is a Craft Beer Radio Facebook and Google Plus site, but it's a lot of work to maintain those things. So use email or Twitter, and uh, we will see you very soon again. And uh, may the force be with you. Always.